On June the 17th, 2004, Leesburg police in Northern Virginia were alerted to a car that was driving erratically down Route 7. This is the official image of the car. When the police approached the car, which was parked on the side, the driver was slumped over the steering wheel, only to awaken and then vomit all over the door and the police. This is the official image from that moment. Praveen Manadanapu, a 32-year-old man of South Asian descent, was then arrested a week later. What the police would find in this investigation is a crime so disturbing, so heinous, it was labelled as the worst crime the Leesburg Police Department had ever investigated. From body parts scattered around the city to suicidal tendencies, this is the story of Praveen Mandanapu and the dismemberment of his wife Divya. Now, before I continue, I know a lot of you watch true crime because to you, the reasons why are probably the most fascinating aspect of any story. What is it that would cause someone to go so far off the edge? I'm a man of South Asian descent, the same as Praveen. I've got all the case files over here. I've done the research and I think I've figured out why he did it. So you want to know why? Pressure. Let me explain. Let's get into it. Praveen, at the time, was a 32-year-old Indian-born male who is the firstborn of his parents' two children. His father was a 60-year-old diabetic who earned a bachelor's degree in engineering and had a career as an engineer. The parents had been married for 35 years. His 28-year-old brother earned a Bachelor of Science degree as well as a Master's degree in Information Technology. Now, the purpose of that information, this came from the psychiatrist who evaluated him during the trial. The psychiatrist deemed that his upbringing, his environment, by all good intents and purposes, was completely stable and it was fine. He married Divya in February of 1999. This is their official marriage certificate. He told the psychiatrist that his culture in India considers marriage as the marriage of two families. He was born in Hyderabad, which is in the state of Andhra Pradesh. His wife was from Vijaywada, which was five hours away from Hyderabad. He said at the time that divorce is not common in India because marriage is for life. His marriage was arranged by his family with his consent. He had no acquaintance with his wife until the arrangement process began. In 1998, he and his family began the process of arranging his marriage. He stated that the decision was more than me, it was my family. He returned to India from his work in the United States and an advertisement was placed in the newspaper to attract applicants for marriage. They received hundreds of responses. Applications included a photograph and a description of the applicant's background. Phone calls were made to a selected sample of women to investigate their availability for marriage. So let me break that down for you because it's actually hilarious when you think about it. He, during the mid-90s, spent time in America. He was working as a software engineer. When his visa was expiring, which he could have renewed, but when it was expiring, he came back to India. His parents at the time put pressure on him. 
hey, you've got to get married. The pressure is unfair, but that's just a South Asian way. I've gone through it myself. But what they decided to do, because their son lived in America, his status within his environment and, 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 and his society, the city he lived in at the time, his status would have been elevated because he would have been living a rather lavish lifestyle in comparison to his counterparts in the city that he's in, which is what gives him the right to put an advertisement in the newspaper and say, hey, look, y'all girls want a good life? Look at me. He was like a golden ticket, right? A rich man in relative poverty. I mean, I've heard of male order brides, but not newspaper husbands. Now, he visited his eventual fiance in her hometown to investigate the chance of an alliance. When the viability of the alliance was established, he said that he thought there were no monetary obligations in his fiance's family. He first met with his fiance to be and her family on August the 3rd, 1998. The meeting was for one hour and they had no time alone. Between August the 3rd and August the 16th, he went to her hometown and met alone with her throughout the course of 22 hours on two separate days. Now you might be wondering, why is it that people are timekeeping, right? And it's because of the conservative values you have in the South Asian culture. Men and women, generally speaking, it's frowned upon if they are seen together in private, if that makes sense, right? Generally, you have a chaperone or they should be in a public place. Keep in mind, this is 2004. It's a lot different now, but the conservative values were a lot more, I don't know, conservative back then. On their fourth meeting, their engagement was arranged. According to Praveen, her family was eager for the wedding to be held as soon as possible, but agreed to wait six months. After their fifth meeting, during the first week of September 1998, they met for one half hour on the day he left for the United States to look for a job. He did not see her again until their wedding on February the 18th, 1999. After their wedding day, they went to reside with his parents in his hometown and then moved to the United States in March of 1999. So as you can see, it was an arranged marriage. He only knew her for about a week and then they got married. And this is just how it is in South Asia. My parents had the same arrangement, you know, telephone, conversation. Yeah, let's get married. They had the same thing. And I know in today's society and in today's way, you can laugh at it because I do find it hilarious. But at the time, this was a serious thing. Regarding Praveen and his background even more, he graduated from high school and college without incident. He never earned a failing grade and at no time did any educational institution take disciplinary action against him. His only instance of irregular behaviour was when he was approximately 18 years old. For a period of time, he did not regularly attend school for approximately two months. During this time, he was hiding from school by attending movies frequently. At this point, he thought he was not bright and did not like to study. He earned a master's degree in information technology at George Washington University in 2002. Again, the discipline his father would have given him is probably the reason why he was determined to get his education. I mentioned all of this because at no point when looking at his life did I think, okay, this is why he's insane 
or this is why he did it. By all intents and purposes, his upbringing was no different than anyone else's upbringing in his relative context. Now, Praveen was employed for one year in India as a software technician. He left his position to assume a new job in Hong Kong, where he was employed for six months at the Bank of America. When his contract expired in 1996, he moved to the United States where he was employed for six months in Georgia in a position involving computer applications. Due to the company's repeated delay in meeting their payroll, he left that position and moved to Detroit where he was employed for four years as a computer consultant. After his marriage to Divya, he decided to move to Washington DC. That's where I am. Now all of that seems fine. This seems like a guy that had his shit together right? There's nothing I've said so far where you would think, hmm, there's something wrong there. I know the marriage uh, process may have been a bit weird. I know. But generally speaking, this seems like a guy that got his head in gear. But little did you know that under the surface, things were ready to go south real quick. See, it was revealed that Divya's father, who was a retired petroleum employee, he lodged a complaint with the police in Vajaywada. He alleged that soon after the marriage, Praveen started torturing his wife for dowry. Now for those that don't know, the dowry system in India is essentially a gift given from the bride's family to the groom himself. There's a lot more to it, but that's basically it. Now the father, when he spoke to the local police, he did say that the situation between Praveen and Divya in America improved after he gave Praveen an initial installment of 12 thousand dollars which was part of this dowry gift subsequently praveen forced divya's father to get his second daughter dipti married to his younger brother rajesh within days the family started harassing dipti too demanding an equal amount in dowry divya's father said he had paid praveen the second installment of two and a half thousand dollars and sought time to pay the rest but the harassment continued till finally Dipti left for her father's house. Divya's father said he was trying to raise many more thousands to give to the family when news of his elder daughter's death reached him. So let me break this down in more detail. When they got married, according to the culture in Pakistan and in the Islamic religion, we have a similar tenet, but it's slightly different but according to the culture in India this is a right of the groom he can demand it they agree an amount beforehand or something like that but he can say look I want this and then they are obliged to give it to him but it seems that Praveen held Divya as a as a as a ransom tool if you like where he said to the father well if you don't give it to me I'm just going to torture your daughter now we're going to go to the night in question of the murder. The police believe these events took place between June the 11th and June the 14th. What you're looking at is the official criminal complaint. I have a transcript of the conversation that took place between Praveen and Officer Greg Locke of the Leesburg Police Department. Praveen said that him and his wife had an argument. And when the police asked him what was this argument about, he said it was about family and her family's demands were too high and Divya kept telling him to respect their demands. Praveen confirmed these demands were mainly sending money back home 
to her family. And this is a key point. One of the motivations for Praveen to even come to the Western world is to send money back home to support his family. My parents did the same when they went from Pakistan to England. I am not burdened with such uh, economic demands because my parents and my family back home in England, they live a very happy life. And this is what I mean where the pressure came from. Praveen, with the police officer, went on to say, there's a lot of pressure and it's been going on for a while. Her family were putting pressure on Divya to send their money to her family in India as well as pressure to his brother to provide for Divya's family. And that's the two sides of the story, right? Divya's father alleged that Praveen demanded the dowry and Praveen is now saying, no, 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 they asked a lot of money from me. They were burdening me. With the police officer, Praveen continued stating Divya's family would not allow Depti, Divya's sister, to return home to his brother, who was her husband. Praveen said, it's not a good thing in society when you're living without your wife whilst being accused of not providing. He said they were demanding over $23,000 a year and by holding Divya's sister with the parents, they were kind of holding Praveen's brother to ransom. Praveen then said that while this argument was going on, he went upstairs. He noticed in the bedroom there were two bags that were packed. He went to try and get clothes from his closet. Divya came upstairs, locked the door and she became aggressive toward him. She kept yelling, you don't provide for my family, you don't care. He then told police that Divya kept telling Praveen, hit me, hit me. And Praveen perceived this as if he hit her, then this is something she can use against him later in life. She then threatened to leave him, divorce him and take all his money to which he grabbed her neck and he strangled her to death. Now I've seen the body. I've seen the images of the autopsy reports. I can't show them on YouTube. What he did after is so depraved I'll never understand. When the police asked when he strangled her was that because he didn't want her to leave? Praveen said I didn't want to lose her. Upon her death he went to Safeway picked up some bagels and this is the image of him at Safeway at that moment. He said he went to Safeway 15 minutes after she died. He then returned to the house, took her body to the garage and put a white cord around her neck and put her in a suitcase. This is the official suitcase used and here is the wire. He then cut off her arms and he removed the wrists from the arms. He put the arms and the wrists in different bags. And then he scattered them in different um, dumpsters, trash cans around the city. And then he wrote a suicide note. Here it is. In the suicide note, he says, This is my last communication. Today is June 14th, 2004. Now the time is 10.37 a.m. I'm writing this, the letter with my car parked at Potomac Station in front of Giant on Route 7. So it seems that he had written this letter uh, just prior to when the police saw his car um, on Route 7 where, you know, he vomited, that I mentioned earlier. He goes on to say, What I am intending to say is that I am extremely sorry. To all of you, I am not worthy of your pardon. I myself could not pardon me. I am ashamed and disgruntled with myself. In the midst of all the issues, financial issues and discipline issues of my parents, myself and Divya, I could not suppress my feelings 
regarding the situation of Divya's family and my brother, so I lashed out to my wife. In the note, he went on to say that Divya loved me unconditionally. I repeat, unconditional. He also goes on to say in the note that everything between him and Divya were fine. The problem started when the sister left Praveen's brother. The sister went back to her home in India where her parents are. And then the parents said, okay, you want your wife back, pay us X, Y and Z. Not in the ransom sense, just like, hey, you married our daughter. You are now our son. So provide for us. Show us your worth. This is when tensions between Divya and Praveen escalated because Praveen now has a conflict of interest. Does he go with his wife? Does he go with his brother? It's a dilemma for sure. We can both agree though, it's not worth killing someone over. Now what I also found devious about this as well as the killing and the dismemberment is this. These are messages that he left on Divya's phone to try and deceive the police. For example, on Saturday, June the 12th, at 12.22pm, this is back in 2004, he says in the voicemail, Hello, where are you? Just because you say you are going out of the house, will you go out of the house? What should I do here? What would you like that? Okay, okay, call me either out of the house or my cell. Bye. On the same day, two hours later at 4.30pm, he left another message where he said, Where are you? What is this? Why did you leave the house? Why aren't you coming back? Where are you? Call me. Then again, two hours later at 6.12pm, he leaves another message. Where did you go? Where can I search for you? Call me, call me, please call me. Then two days later at 7am on June the 14th, he leaves another message. Hello, where are you? Time is going. And then two hours later on June the 14th at 9am, he leaves another message saying, where are you? Where are you? Please come home. The police determined that he left these voicemail messages where given his emotional crisis at the time, he was jumping back and forth between confessing, which he basically did in his suicide note, and also to try and claim someone else did this by leaving the voicemail messages. What you're looking at now is a document from the official case file. This is count one regarding the murder of his wife, and Praveen himself was sentenced to 55 years in jail. And the reason why I say I think pressure is what made him do this is because he was put in a hard place. I don't sympathize with him because he's a moron and a muppet to decide, well, killing my wife is a solution to this problem. He cracked under pressure. He was put in a situation that he asked for. Remember, they put his advertisement in the newspaper. He wanted this marriage. He picked her. He was the king of the town, the toast of the town. He had all the women that he could choose from. He chose her. He asked for this. He knew what his obligations were. Regardless of what you think of the cultural upbringing and, and the expectations of the man, he knew what those expectations were. He made the decision knowing he could do this. He had a good job in America. Maybe, maybe he wasn't getting paid as much as he thought. Maybe he wasn't getting paid as much as they thought he was back in India, right? He made it, perhaps he made it seem like he was getting more so, you know, people will think, oh, oh my God, look at him. This guy's rich and, you know, social status and all that bollocks. But we can agree that the decision he made is so stupid that all the degrees he earned when he was younger and all the supposed money he made were all rendered invalid because his entire life was defined by one decision he made whilst under pressure. 
and he cracked like a biscuit. So why don't you guys comment, tell me what you think.